you definitely have to travel. I mean, there are two types of really important education in the world. One is formal education, I believe in that. And the other is the education that you get from life, and especially when you travel. The World Beyond. Emotion is a tomorrow. Brought to you by Michael Mack. Hello and welcome back to the second part of my conversation with Tor Pedersen, the extraordinary adventurer who successfully traveled to every country without flying. Let's dive right back into our captivating exploration of Tor's incredible journey and the lesson learned along the way. Welcome back, Tor. Thank you. It was so um, interesting to listen uh, to you for that first episode of the podcast. And I think we could have talked for hours and hours. So I'm trying to be a little bit more quicker in asking especially future topics related questions uh, so i want to start with the first one how do you see the future of traveling around the world especially in terms of experience oriented aspects i mean not everybody does have 10 years of time traveling the world so what is your <laughs> prediction about the future of traveling i think if we if we look at a very uh, specific subculture within traveling then you have traveling to every country in the world and at this point you probably have a little less than 300 people who have traveled to every country in the world and the first person to do so did it in the 80s this is a man from finland a journalist so from the 80s and up to the year 2000 about 20 people had gone to every country in the world and by 2013 it was about 200 people and now today it's maybe around 300 maybe even more than 300 so i think that we'll see that the world is opening up more and more that's quite clear that it's easier to get visas it's easier to organize transportation it's easier to get travel tips from blogs and the internet and chat GPT and wherever you want to ask questions today. So you'll see more and more people do this type of extreme travel. You'll see more people go to every country in the world. That's my prediction. Often people do say like traveling educates. Do you believe in that? And do you think they get out of your normal lives and travel the world? Can you advise people to travel? Or would you say like, mm. yeah, do so for your local um, holiday resort or do you do you really envision them to like see more what's out there oh you definitely have to travel i mean there there are two types of really important education in the world one is formal education i believe in that and the other is the education that you get from life and especially when you travel you get to break down a lot of walls When you travel, uh, you get to meet the people that you heard about or you get to, I mean, you don't have to cross borders. You could just go to a neighboring town and start talking to people. And you're probably going to learn a lot, not just about the people that you meet, but maybe also about yourself. Then if you have the luxury of crossing borders, you're going to learn even more. And hopefully you'll come to some realization that wherever you go, you're a guest and you should be on your best behavior and that you are uh, basically going through an incredible education where everything around you is teaching you something. Given your unique journey, how do you hope your experience will inspire or influence future generation, especially in terms of global perspectives? 
I am hoping that the journey that I undertook will help people to see that no matter where you go in the world, people are just people and that there is no such thing as a dangerous country, that there are some dangerous people, but every country could potentially be the best country in the world. I hope that will be a part of my legacy. And then I also hope that what I did will help to inspire and motivate people in future generations, hopefully inspire people to see the world in a different way and travel in a more conscious way and motivate people to achieve their goals, whatever their goals might be in life. I mean, when you look around, I mean, being here at um, Europa Park in uh, the lovely south of Germany and being um, in a theme park, you mostly do see people um, uh, walking literally around like cyborgs, having their mobile phone um, um, always straight in front of their face. Um, when I understood you correctly, you were saying like it's about communicating with people. It's about the senses, um, smelling, hearing, laughing, um, getting um, an emotion back from the people you meet on your journey. How do you see this technology being constantly in your hand when it comes to traveling? Do you miss out of understanding the world because you just look into your phone? Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you might take a photo with your phone And then later that day, you look at the photo and you realize that you were there. You forgot to be there uh, at the moment when you took the photo. So sometimes you can remove yourself from reality, unfortunately. However, uh, the phone in your hand can also be a direct link to people. Often it is a direct link to other people. So you might get advice, you might get connections, you might find solutions by looking at your phone. So I wouldn't underestimate uh, looking at the phone, but I think we should probably balance it out a little bit. I can tell you something really interesting about um, the development of that uh, from 2015 when I entered Africa uh, from Morocco and went down the West Coast until I came out of Africa Uh, around the end of 2017, about almost 2018. In the beginning of my African travels, I was being harassed by almost anyone in a uniform. Every time they saw me, they would call me over and I had to show my paperwork and my vaccination card and, and everything. And uh, when I left Africa, I remember the last many countries, I would walk right past people in uniforms because they were looking at their phones and they didn't notice me. <laughs> That's, uh, well, interesting uh, to hear. Maybe also a little bit frightening. Um, yeah. So what would be your advice of uh, being out there, being in so many different countries? Is there any advice when you should keep your phone in your pocket? Or is it for you like digital communication is a necessity because you do connect with people? I mean, what is your balance you found during traveling? Well... I found that in terms of the risk that you might have in getting your phone stolen, <laughs> I decided to have my smartphone in my pocket and then have a dumb phone that I used for SMS and phone calls and so on. So I would have a Nokia 1100 um, that I would pull out in public. And then if I was in my room or if I was somewhere uh, where there weren't too many people, I could pull out my smartphone. And uh, a, a funny thing with the Nokia 1100 was that even traveling across Africa, 
Africans would laugh at that phone because all of them had smartphones and some of them had four or five smartphones. So they might not, some have the newest uh, smartphone, uh, whatever brand it might be, but a lot of people, they have secondhand phones, but they have smartphones and uh, they have solar panels uh, on the mud huts that uh, can charge their phones and they have uh, SIM cards cost nothing. Sometimes they're free. A little bit of data is super cheap, one or two dollars for data. Um, sometimes you get Wi-Fi at malls or in public squares for free. The apps are free, Facebook, Instagram, social media, all of this. So people, they have access to these online lives And that was a reality of traveling across the world. I can't remember going to a country where I didn't see smartphones. In terms of uh, the coverage of network, is there a difference if you overlook the world? I mean, we're always complaining about the German network has been terribly and lousy. <laughs> is there any uh, difference uh, between worlds that you can say, uh, don't go uh, to that or that country because it's lousy? Or is there a general standard around the world when it comes to cellular or Wi-Fi connection? Well, again, it was a journey through time. I left home in 2013 and I came home in 2023. So internet was shit a lot of places in the beginning. <laughs> and, uh, and we, you know, when, when I left home, it was uh, 3G and 3G was still pretty new. And uh, then it, it went to 4G and it went to possibly 5G. I don't know if anyone really has 5G, but it got better and better. More and more towers went up. Uh, the companies grew more and more powerful and uh, they they sell more SIM cards and, and uh, they want to uh, increase their market. So they put up more towers so they get a bigger reach. And now you have Elon Musk with his uh, Starlink out there hoping to reach people in isolated villages and isolated islands and ships and I don't know what. And I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook is trying to do something similar. Also beam internet down to people no matter where you are. I'd say the rule of thumb has always been that if you're in a city, internet is good. And if you go to rural areas, it, it gets a little less. And the only country that I went to in recent years where internet was absolutely horrible was Tuvalu. Now, Tuvalu is a small Pacific island nation in the North Pacific Ocean with about 11,000 people. And uh, they have one telephone company and it's government owned and they have no interest in making it better. <laughs> and so it's like, um, it's like you have a limited amount of internet and you can feel when everybody is online, then you have access to nothing. Do you see, I mean, you were mentioning the story about the police people in Africa, that in the beginning they always checked on you, and uh, when you left Africa they looked at their smartphones. Do you think that the digitalization around the world does infect people? Did you have uh, changes being seen? Or can you say, like, people who don't carry their smartphone around all day are more happy with not having their smartphone with them all the time? That's a very difficult question. The last one, if, if people would be more happy without their phones. Uh, I think that there are a few diseases that comes with phones. There's addiction and uh, maybe anxiety comes with the phones and the apps and the messaging and always being online. But there is also connectivity in some way through the phones. And 
I mean, there are some communities across the planet, like, uh, let's say if you're gay, if, if you're a gay person and you're in a country that is harsh on that um, or where it's illegal, then you would feel, I imagine, you would feel absolutely isolated in your country. But if you have your phone and you can connect to communities, then you can feel as a part of something bigger and you can feel more normal because there are other people out there. So I wouldn't rule out that the, the phone can connect people. And it doesn't have to be about sexuality. It can be about interests or if you could be introverted, but you communicate better on a phone than you do in public and, and these things. It's it's not so easy to answer. But the other question I can answer e more easily if if I see some similarities across the world. And I think exactly because of the phones, we see these trends that go across the globe in no time. So suddenly you see everyone is wearing uh, the same brand t-shirts and bags. I remember there was Supreme suddenly and knockoff Supreme clothing through the next 20 or 30 countries and then it wasn't interesting anymore and then suddenly it was fidget spinners and you saw everybody has fidget spinners and uh, you sit in buses and you go to markets and uh, walk down the street and you hear the same music being played and uh, people they have the same heroes in uh, football uh, they love uh, German football especially people they love uh, English football but around the world no matter how small the village is or how isolated people are they can log on and get the results and then they can be experts on uh, who sold who and who's managing this and uh, who won the last match and all this stuff it uh, truly connects the world The reason I was asking is like that you have trends in Germany where they say like vacation is going to be more mindful and more peaceful if you do put your mobile phone away and there's a trend coming that people do put their phones away. And that's why I was asking the question if you have uh, felt like uh, when people were sitting around the fire or like talking to each other. Because of, of course with like those digital Uh, medias like um, messaging services and stuff like that, people can be misunderstood because um, you especially see it in social media that a lot of people don't talk to each other any longer, uh, but they're just um, fighting in their bubble, so to speak, mm. for the one and the better. And that was the reason I was asking. But if you didn't discover that um, um, as strongly, um, so maybe that's not a, such a big thing what I was told here in Germany. Yeah. I can tell you, so again, I left home in 2013, and by December, maybe November 2013, I was in, um, I think it was Croatia, mm -hmm. and uh, it was cold, and I went to find something to eat, and I found this little nice restaurant, and I sat down at a round table. There were five or six chairs around the table, and I, ha I was all alone at this table. And I was feeling alone. I, I'd been traveling for a couple of months and uh, I'd had a lot of meals on my own and a lot of travel time on my own. And, uh, and I was sitting at the table feeling alone. And I looked at the table next to me and there, were, there was a table with men and women and maybe five or six people sitting around the table. And all of them were looking at their phones and nobody was talking to each other at that table. And I mean, that was 2013. So I think I had a real realization back then 
that uh, we can make ourselves lonely through technology. Are you seeing that trend all over the world? I mean, what you saw back then in 2030, is it like a, a common picture that when you traveled around the world that people would yes. sit more and more together looking at their phones? Yes, it is. But, I mean, because reality with the phones is that even though it, the phones provide us with unlimited access to knowledge about physics and mathematics and history and political issues and whatnot, people are spending time looking at dance videos and cats and, uh, and, and cakes and uh, I don't know what, uh, stupid stuff. And things that, you know, there a lot of people are doom scrolling through things that are not enriching their lives. And you see this a lot, you know, that the, anytime someone is bored, if they're standing in line or they're sitting in a bus or anytime that someone has to wait, they pull their phone out and they get on their phone. And that makes people a little less uh, accessible Because a lot of people are not willing to put their phone down if you come over and say hello. They would rather look at their phone than they would speak to you. So the whole world will get a cyborg one day. Yeah, yeah, I fear that's the direction it's going in. Did you carry a camera with you or were you just like... Uh, oh, uh, I, I took your... all my photos with my, uh, with my phone. Okay. So give us a, an advice of the world travelers of tomorrow. Um, what is the best way to communicate to people when you're traveling so many countries? Are there any best places to connect with other cultures and, um, and nations? I mean, oh, going to sure. sauna like the Finns do and where you don't have a mobile phone. <laughs> yes. like, are, there any, are there any ways where you say like uh, communication is as easy as uh, when you are sitting in a bar or like doing sports or how did you approach or where was the best moment of approaching people uh, well you're certainly right that if you are in an environment where you can't bring your phone then it's it helps a lot in terms of communication in iceland they have a geothermal activity and they have a lot of these uh, hot springs and it's it's a social thing where you you pay a little bit of money and you go into the water and you're sitting there and you're enjoying in an outside pool and it might be minus degrees and you're sitting in a hot thermic pool and you just start talking to other people in the pool. It's a really, really open environment and people are curious to hear where you're from and <laughs> what your thoughts are and your education and you just get a conversation going. There are definitely countries that are much easier for conversation than others. Uh, the north of Germany is less easy than the south of Germany. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and, and Denmark is almost impossible. Okay. I mean, if, if you're in, in Denmark, then it's almost forbidden to speak to someone on the street or in public transportation uh, or at the supermarket. These are no-go zones. You cannot speak to a stranger there. You can ask what time it is and you can ask for directions and that's it. But uh, at a party or at work or at a sporting event, you can speak to anyone. So we have these social rules in the, the North European countries and the north of, of Europe. And the further south you go, and I think this is because people spend more time on the streets and in parks. In Denmark, if you come inside a metro train and 
all the seats are available. There's no one in there. You can sit down wherever you want. And when the next person comes into the train, you expect that they will try to sit as far away from you as possible. That's kind of the social rule in Denmark. In most countries around the world, if you sit inside a bus and you're the first person in the bus, then when the next person comes in, they will sit down exactly next to you. And the reason will be because that's the only seat where they can have a conversation. And <laughs> I mean, sometimes you cannot avoid a conversation. Quite often you cannot avoid a conversation. You, uh, you might be listening to music and then someone talks to you and you take out your earpiece and you go like, yes, and you answer and you try to put it back in and they continue talking to you and you take it out and you try to indicate you're listening. And after some time you just give up and you take them out and you have a conversation. A country like uh, Uganda, which is in East Africa, is one of the most friendly countries that I can think of. Um, there are a lot of friendly countries in the Pacific as well. Now I come to think about it. But certainly Uganda, you almost expect you'll get a hug from someone on the street. And you'll certainly get into conversations with people all the time. In Tuvalu, I was on some island in Tuvalu. They have seven islands and not a lot of people. And I was on one of the islands and I was just sitting on a box And I was looking at my phone. I wanted to make a social media update or something like this. And a man came over to me and he said, you cannot be alone. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, it's in our culture. It's impolite. You should never be alone. You should always be, come, come with me. I'll give you, I'll buy you, I'll, I'll give you a drink. And you can come and have lunch with me and my family. So, I mean, the social aspect of life is so much greater in many parts of the world compared to where we come from. Perfect. Was there any technology you would have wished for? And do you think um, by traveling the world you do need... I mean, you were mentioning that a lot of poor people couldn't understand English. Would you have wished that you would have your little translating machine with you who could translate to especially the, the poorer ones who don't understand English? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily poor people who don't speak English. It's poorly educated people, but oh, sometimes that's the yeah. same thing. Uh, but uh, yes, I would be. I see it exists today, so it'd be wonderful to have one of those devices where you speak into it and it comes out in a in a different language, and you can actually have a a conversation. Yeah, that technology would be great to have. What else? I would really like to have some sort of technology. Now, I didn't know this was going to take 10 years. So everything in terms of receipts and photos and videos, I would really like to have had some technology that would have put it. Uh, more organized, uh, just sort of automatic on my behalf. Because now <laughs> I'm trying to go through boxes of receipts from every country in the world. And I'm trying to... I've I just started today. I have 70,000 photos from across the world. And I'm trying to put them as per country. And I started out with one phone and I got a different phone. And I got a third phone. And then the data and the files are not... Uh, it's a mess. So I have to do it manually. By traveling so many countries, is there any country or like if you could state the top three countries you love the most, could you do so? Or is it literally everywhere in the world beautiful? Yeah, everywhere in the world. It's, uh, there are more or less 200 countries in the world. And imagine you have a playlist with 200 songs And I ask you, what, are, what is your favorite song? Then you would say it depends on if you're trying to sleep or if you're going to work out or what kind of mood, if you're happy or if you're sad and so on. So it's the same with the countries. 
You know, sometimes I miss Ethiopia, sometimes I miss Iceland, sometimes I miss somewhere else. It depends on food and people. And I mean, if you love diving with sharks, if that is your passion, if you know all the Latin names for all the sharks in the world and you cannot talk about anything else than sharks, then Switzerland is a terrible country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know? So it's a little bit about context. So you can't say which was your most loved country. It's like maybe well, Hong of course, Kong because like no, no, of course, number one is Germany. <laughs> Germany no, is no, my no, absolute no. favorite country. <laughs> and I don't believe you on that one. I don't believe you on that one. I, like, I do have a passion for Germany. Um, I grew up with Germany being a country I didn't care about. That Germany was just in the way between Denmark and the Alps when I wanted to go skiing. <laughs> and uh, the older I got, the more interested I got in history. And I find that Germany is incredibly interesting in terms of the different empires that existed throughout the centuries, that castles and small villages and dialects. And uh, wow, I mean, Germany is a powerhouse of, of culture and history, Schwarzwald and uh, following the Rhine, all, all this stuff. I don't know if I would say Germany is my favorite country, but I'm passionate about Germany and I'm always excited to come back. Perfect, and you're most likely or you're surely invited to visit us here at Europa Park, which is close to the Schwarzwald, so I can uh, give you a little bit of a tour about the Alsace region, the River Rhine and the Schwarzwald. Um, to slowly finishing this uh, lovely talk, and I know we could be talking for hours and hours, uh, last technical question, are there any technological developments that you find particularly promising or worrying? Um, AI is both. I think AI is super promising. And there was this, um, you might know the name of it, I, I can't remember, but there was uh, like a, a tech fair recently where they uh, showed... CES, the CES. C ah, CES. Yes. Um, and I was looking at some of the things they brought uh, and showcased. And there was this one guy who wanted to reinvent the phone in a way that it was sort of uh, AI-based, that you just tell it what you want and it pops up and it, there are less buttons and it's more... And I, and I think we're heading in that direction. Unfortunately, I think people are going to get less creative in an artistic way because they are just going to have... When they have to write a letter, they're just going to ask AI to write the letter <laughs> and then they'll maybe make a few corrections and then, and then they'll forget how to write a letter. But maybe people will get more creative in how they use technology so that's a different type of creativity. And then, of course, with AI, there's always the question of whatever we have in this world. You know, we have drones and drones are amazing for good video footage or for exploring areas. But you put a gun on a drone and it's a deadly weapon. And uh, AI is amazing for education and for uh, being more productive. But, I mean, if you give AI to the wrong people, they will find a way to destroy civilization as we know it. So I think AI is incredibly promising. We, I'm sure we're going to have self-driving cars very, very soon. I, I'm looking at these robots, the development of robots. We're having, I mean, 2024, we have real robots, not the kind of robots we had 10 years ago. We have real robots now that can walk more or less like a human and uh, give it a few more years. They will walk exactly like humans. And if you pair that with AI, 
maybe soon you have a robot cooking you lunch and you give that robot a gun, then it's a different kind of robot. I mean, so you always have this uh, dilemma. So before we end this uh, lovely podcast, do you have a question for me, Tor? Well, I'm curious to hear how you came to know about me. Well, I did read um, in the Neueste Zürcher Zeitung, which is a big newspaper in Switzerland. I read about you and I thought, well, that's interesting. Somebody who never used a plane traveling in the whole world. And um, as you know, the podcast is the world beyond. Like, And I thought it could be quite interesting to um, to see how do you see the world in a couple of mm. years, which leads me directly to my last question. Seven years from now. Considering your extensive travels and unique perspective, how do you envision the world in seven years, especially in the context of travel, exploration and you did talk about cultural but how will be the cultural exchange will be look like in seven years if we just look at our phones and wear the same shirts and listen to the same songs is there still a space left for any other cultural things so how do you see the world in seven years in terms of travel i think that we're going to have countries that bundle together in the same way that we have done with the eu and that we can travel freely within the eu i think we will see more and more regions do something similar so that uh, certain people can travel within certain parts of the world without applying for visas then i think that you will see more and more uh, travel through airports and less across uh, land borders in general because it's easier to have high uh, security at airports and control who comes in and out of the country than it is at land borders. So possibly you will have uh, free entry, visa-free travel to airports and uh, you will have to apply for visas to cross land borders, making it harder for people to do so. And I think more and more people are going to travel. Um, But hopefully people will travel locally. I'm curious about Australia. I like Australia and New Zealand, but it's incredibly far from Denmark. And like I mentioned, there's so much of Germany I haven't seen. There's a lot of Norway I haven't seen. There's a lot of Sweden I haven't seen. The Baltic countries, the UK. And we can travel locally and have less of an impact on our environment. And I think there's uh, people are more conscious about that. So within the next seven years, I think people will travel domestically a lot more and, and locally a lot more. If you look back on your 10 years experience, uh, would you take the plane right now? Or would you still go <laughs> by uh, not taking the plane? Well, I travel as a goodwill ambassador of the Danish Red Cross. And um, I have been raising funds and awareness for the Red Cross uh, globally. And I have an invitation now to come to... Uh, to Geneva in Switzerland to meet the Secretary General of the International Federation of the Red Cross. And I can tell you, I will take the train to Geneva. So that's sort of within my boundary of how far I will go with buses and trains. If, if I'm invited to the south of Italy, I'll probably fly. Do you believe in the saying, Indian people did say that it takes two days till the soul arrives wherever you are, so don't take planes because it's more mindful also traveling mm. for your soul and your brain if you take a bus or a train. Do you agree on that or do you think it doesn't yes. matter? 
No, I, I agree. If I get on an airplane out of Copenhagen and I land in New York, then I'm not really going to understand the distance that I traveled and, and how much changed in between. But if you try to make your way from Copenhagen to New York without flying, you get real appreciation of the distance and what's between. And uh, and your, your soul will definitely be able to keep up. So for all listeners out there, if you want to have a mindful travel, never take the plane. It's better for environment and your soul has time to travel with you. And if you are going quickly around the world and don't have 10 years of time, then uh, certainly take a plane. Thank yes. you so much for being my guest here today, Todd. It was great to hear your insights. I know we could have talked for hours and hours. I'm quite sure we're going to do that once you're going to visit Europa Park in person. And then uh, you will see the beautiful Schwarzwald, the Black Forest and the River Rhine and Alsace, um, which I'd love to show you once you're here with your uh, lovely wife. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you all for listening to my podcast and be sure to tune in again next time when we will uncover more of what the future holds. Michelle Mack presents The World Beyond Emotion is of Tomorrow A Mac One Production